0: All right. Well, if you would uh, take your Bible at this time and turn to First Corinthians chapter six, where we were a little bit ago, we're going to examine this passage a little more in detail here uh, this morning. First Corinthians chapter number six, and we're going to read verses eighteen down through verse number twenty. And as you're finding that, uh, if you would join me in standing for the reading of God's Word, if you're able to do so. First Corinthians chapter number six. Verse number 18, and the word of God says this, "'Flee fornication. "'Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, "'but he that committeth fornication "'sinneth against his own body. "'What, know ye not that your body "'is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, "'which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? "'For ye are bought with a price.'" Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Let's pray together one more time. Lord, thank you for the service thus far, the wonderful songs. Lord, now as we turn our attention to your word and to this message regarding bringing you glory, I pray, Lord, that you would help me to articulate clearly what has been in my heart for many, many weeks, even months. And uh, Lord, I pray that You would help me to articulate it clearly, to where people will hear, they will listen, they will understand. Most of all, Lord, that they would, that all of us would uh, apply and do. That we wouldn't just be hearers of the Word, but that we would be doers of the Word. And uh, Lord, I pray that You would ultimately receive great glory as a result. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated. Well, up until about four hundred and fifty years ago, everybody believed that the universe, and the sun, and the planets, all revolved around the Earth. Well, then, in fifteen forty-three, uh, a man by the name of Copernicus told them that the earth wasn't actually the center of the universe. Then 50 years later, Galileo said that the planets actually revolved around the sun. Now, people were so opposed to this idea that they threw Galileo in prison and kicked him out of the church. Now, that the very idea that we weren't the center of the universe was totally unthinkable. Now, look, all of us here have taken science, and we know that the uh, sun does not revolve around the earth, but the earth revolves around the sun. We know that the universe doesn't revolve around us. Well, who then does it revolve around? And who deserves to be worshiped and get the glory as a result? Well, obviously, the answer is God, the great creator. In Colossians chapter number 1, Paul wrote this in verse number 16. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, he might have the preeminence. That in all things, that he would be the center of our lives, that he would be first place in our lives, and ultimately, that he would get the glory. So, God should get the glory. But does he always get the glory? Sadly, no. You see, there are a great many who seek their own glory. They want the glory for themselves, and we see this all the time. Uh, If you watch sports, you see this all the time as these men who are mere mortals uh, think that they are on top of the world for winning a championship or um, putting a round ball in a metal hoop or hit a... Three inch in diameter piece of rubber into a goal, or hit a little ball with a piece of wood and hit it really far, and they think that they deserve the glory for those things. And uh, again, I um, I do enjoy sports, but I, I know one of the, the the trappings of sports is this area of getting glory for themselves, and really. God deserves the glory. Um, We desire to live our lives for ourselves. We want to please ourselves. We seek pleasure and attention from the Lord, from the world. And yet God all the while is saying, hey, who's going to give me glory? See, where are the Christians who would desire to live their lives for the glory of God? As I mentioned earlier, uh, a couple times in the Bible, we see uh, when some of the Bible writers got to the bottom line to the crux of the matter, to the conclusion of the matter. And then when the writers boiled things down to a simple command, Micah did this in Micah chapter six and verse eight, when he when he said when he wrote these words, "He hath showed thee, O man, what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. He boiled it down to those three little, statements, to uh, do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Solomon also boiled it all down in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse number 13. And here was a man who had all that the world could ever want. He had all the glory that most men pursue. He had all of those things, but he got to the end of his life and boiled it down to this, conc- this, this conclusion. In Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen, he says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Now, Paul here in our text in First Corinthians chapter number six again is writing to the church at Corinth and confronting them regarding several important issues. Uh, they they were a very carnal church and they had gotten off track in so many different areas. And and, and after going through this section, he comes to the end of this section with the bottom line that there is a purpose of life and that is to glorify God. And he does it again not only not only does he do it here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 but in chapter number 10 he also does it when he writes whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do do all to the glory of God. And throughout this book those two little statements those two verses really kind of show us really what our ultimate purpose is as believers to glorify God so you're saying then my purpose is not to become healthy wealthy and wise so you're saying then pastor my purpose is not to get rich and uh, to be famous and uh, all those things no Uh, My greatest purpose in life is to bring glory to my creator God. And that is the same with you. And so this morning, we're going to look at three very important aspects of this command in verse number 20 to glorify God. Number one, I want us to see here the requirement, the requirement. In verse number 20, Paul says this, For you bought with a price, therefore glorify God. That is a command. That is a requirement. See, we are called and instructed to live our lives for the glory of God, not for our own glory. Many of us post selfies and desire that people would like our selfie when we post them. And we get a little irritated if no one likes them. Because, see, we want the attention for ourselves. We want glory. But, my friend, as believers, we are called and even required to live our lives for and to the glory of God. Can I remind us this morning that God does not share His glory? In Isaiah 42, in verse number 8, the Bible says this, I and the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another another. Neither my praise to graven images. God is a jealous God. He doesn't want to share His glory with another. And that's why, if you remember, when uh, Satan was cast out of heaven, one of the things he wanted is he wanted the glory of God. But he's not going to share it. He will not give His glory to another. Instead, we are to have the mentality of John the Baptist who said this, He must increase, but I must decrease. See, less of me and more of him. Why? So that he would get the glory. Now, before we get too far into this message, I want to ask a very important question that maybe you're thinking there in your seat. What exactly does it mean to glorify God? I mean, that's a great Uh, a great statement, a great verse to use, a great theme to have as a church, but what does it mean to glorify God? Well, here's what the word glorify means. It means to render glorious, to give honor, to magnify, to praise, to ascribe honor to in thought or words, to honor God, to live as unto Him. It can be boiled down to this simple statement. It means to live and order your life in such a way that you bring honor to God in every area of your life. That you would live in such a way that you cause others to think rightly about God. That when they see your life, they think, wow, God is great. God is good. God is just. Look at their life. And not so that they would look at you and say, boy, look how, how wonderful of a person they are. No, that they would think of God. Jesus explained it very well in Matthew 5 and verse 16 when he said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Not that they may see your good works and pat you on the back and say you're such a spiritual individual. No, that they would ultimately give glory to God. See, this is what we're called to do. And by the way, this requirement, this calling to glorify God isn't just mentioned here in 1 Corinthians 6 and in chapter number 10. It's throughout the New Testament. In Romans chapter number 15 and verse number 6, it says this, that ye ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 15, 9, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. In Isaiah 43, in verse number 7, uh, God tells us that He we were created for his glory. Listen to what it says. even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. So, my friend, if you've wondered why you're even here, this You even exist, why you were born, why God decided to bring you here on this earth is so that you would bring him glory. That's your overarching purpose in this life. Not so that you would get glory for yourself, not so that you can accumulate so many more toys and make your life so wonderful. It's so that you would bring glory to God. First Peter, Peter mentioned this too a couple times in his book. 1 Peter 2.12 says, Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. So again, having our lives in such a way that when people look at our lives, they end up glorifying God. That's what it's all about. Not so that we get all the praise and the glory. No, that so God gets the praise and the glory. 1 Peter 4.16, it says, If any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Paul also mentioned it in Philippians regarding his own life. Now, he didn't use the word glorify God in this passage, but it really means glorify God. He said in uh, Philippians 1.20, According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, and here it is, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. He said, it doesn't matter what ends up happening with me. He was in prison at the time. He didn't know if he was going to make it out or if he was going to die there in the prison that he was in. And he said, hey, it doesn't matter. I want God to be glorified. I want Christ to be magnified in my body, whether I live or whether I die, it doesn't matter. I want God to get the glory. And that's the mentality that I'm praying that all of us would have as we go into this year. Because we were created for his glory, Ephesians 1, verse 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. See, we were saved so that we would bring Him glory. And not so that we would just live our lives for ourselves, but that we would live our lives with bringing glory to God as our main goal and purpose in life. So, my friend, I want us to see first this morning as we consider this passage that it is a requirement, that we must understand that God has called us to glorify Him. And so we see the requirement, but I want us to see secondly here this morning the reasons why we are to glorify God. And looking at our passage here in verse number 20, he says, for you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So why should we really be all that interested in bringing glory to God and glorifying God in our lives? Well, there are perhaps many, many reasons, but this morning I want to focus on two main reasons that we should glorify God. Now, one is from this passage and the other is from a different passage in the book of Revelation. And I'm going to ask you to turn over there because that's the first one I want to look at this morning. Revelation chapter number four. And Before I give you the first reason, I want to read through this chapter. Revelation chapter number four. And the word of God says this in verse number one. After this, I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne was set in heaven and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeding lightnings and thunderings and voices And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was a sea of glass like unto a crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion and the second beast like a calf. And the third beast had a face as a man. And the fourth beast was like a a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worshiped him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive. What's the first word mentioned there? Glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. You see, the first reason that we need to give glory to God is mentioned in verse number 11. He is worthy of it. His person, uh, the first reason we glorify is because of his person, because he is worthy. See, God is worthy to receive glory. Think of all that he is. He is the almighty one. In verse number 8, we, we read that He is Lord God Almighty. We, we learn that He is eternal, which was and is and is to come. We learn that He is the thrice holy God in verse number 8 as well. And we, we learn in verse number 11 that He has created all things. He is the Creator. Can I remind you this morning that He was able to create the heaven and the earth and all that in them is in six literal 24-hour periods of time. The book of John says it this way, John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Psalm 33 and verse number 6, listen to this verse. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of His mouth. The Lord actually just spoke, and things came to be. I wish I had the ability to do that, but I don't. God does, though, and He did. Isaiah 45 and verse number 12, God says, I have made the earth and created man upon it. Even my hands have stretched out the heavens, and all their host have I commanded. See, He is the Creator. He is worthy of glory. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the great I Am. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is worthy of glory, and He deserves it, and He desires it. And by the way, can I just let you know this? He, It is also due unto Him. The glory that uh, we maybe sometimes in our flesh seek uh, belongs to the Lord. In Psalm 29, in verse number 2, the Bible says, Give unto the Lord glory; the glory due unto His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. So the reason that we should glorify God this year and throughout our individual lives and as a church is because of his person. He is worthy of it. But the second one mentioned is back in 1 Corinthians 6. If we flip back over there. In verse number 20, he says, For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God. So the reason we are to glorify God is because we've bought, been bought with a price. So secondly, the second reason we should desire to glorify God is because of his payment. Because of the price that he paid on the cross of Calvary. Um, can I remind you for a few moments about that price that was paid? I mean, it wasn't like God pulled out his wallet and said, okay... Let's write a check for a million dollars and we'll purchase. He didn't use money. He couldn't use money. It needed to be a sacrifice. And it was the ultimate sacrifice. It was the perfect sinless lamb of God that was slain on the cross of Calvary for you and for me. That's the payment that was made to purchase my salvation and that's why we are to glorify God. I'm going to invite you to turn to John chapter number 19. John chapter number 19. I want, us, I want to take us in our minds back to Calvary. Back to the cross where Jesus died. And I want us to consider the price that he paid and the payment that was made for our sin. John chapter 19, let's pick it up in verse number 1. The word of God says, Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. He was completely whipped and torn to shreds with the cat of nine tails. Verse 2 says, The soldiers platted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. And they said, Hail, king of the Jews. They smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again, and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. When the chief priests, therefore, and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him, and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid. And went again into the judgment hall and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest not thou that, or knowest thou not that I have the power to crucify thee and have power to release thee? Jesus answered, Thou couldest have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore, he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. And from thenceforth, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth, sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. And it was a preparation of the Passover, and about the sixth hour, he saith unto the Jews, Behold, your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest sadly answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified, and they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other with him on either side, one in Jesus in the midst. Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh unto the city, and it was written in Hebrew and in Greek and in Latin. Then the chief priests of the Jews to Pilate, uh, said the chief priests of the Jews to Pilate, write not the King of the Jews, they said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Well, verse 23 then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and made four parts to every soldier a part, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam woven from the top throughout. They said, therefore, among themselves, Let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, They parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots these things therefore did the soldier the soldiers did now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister Mary the wife of Cleopas and Mary Magdalene when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved he saith unto his mother woman behold thy son then saith he to the disciple behold thy mother from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home and after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was, a, there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. He bowed his head and gave up the ghost. The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the bodies should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was in high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and brake the legs of the first and of the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they brake not his legs, but one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood. And water. We'll stop there. Why should I glorify God? Because of what we just read. Because my friend, he did that for you. He did that for me. Going back to 1 Corinthians 6 and verse number 20, for ye are bought with a price. Let's remember the price that was paid for our sin. 1 Peter 1 and verse number 18, Peter said, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Why why should I live my life in every area and kind of Thinking through the different areas of my life, is this glorifying to God? Why should I go through that trouble? Because we were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. Because we were bought with a very great price. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 5.15, and that he died for all. That they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. He said we should live for him because of the price that was paid for our sin. We should give glory to God because of the payment that was made. Isaac Watts wrote my favorite hymn. In the last stanza of that hymn, when I survey the wondrous cross goes, were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small, but love so amazing so divine, demands my soul, demands my life, and it demands my all. It it demands that I would live my life to glorify God, not to live my life for me anymore. So, my friend, why should we glorify God? What are the reasons? We know it's a requirement, but why should we do that? First of all, because of his person, because he's worthy of it, because he deserves it. And then secondly, because of the price that he paid, the payment that he made for us. But thirdly, I want us to look here at the realms, the different areas in which we are to glorify God in. In what areas or realms are we to glorify God? Well, simply put, Every single area of life we are to bring glory to God in. Since he deserves all glory, there really isn't an area of our life that should not be for his glory. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Do all to the glory of God. So my friend, whether you're at work tomorrow, You are to do that for the glory of God. You are to glorify God in your marriage. You're to glorify God in your finances, in your parenting, at school, young people and teachers. Uh, For your ministry at church, you say, well, I don't do much around here. All I do is, and you fill in the blank. You can do that to the glory of God. Your testimony in the community, your entertainment choices, what you watch on television, or what you stream on your computer or tablet or phone, you are to do that to the glory of God. In your appearance, you are to do that to the glory of God. How we use our time, we are to do that to the glory of God. In every single area of our lives, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God, including the minor details of life whether therefore you eat or drink. Even those things matter, and we are to do those things to the glory of God. The great composer Bach said this. He said, All music should have no other end and aim than the glory of God and the soul's refreshment. Where this is not remembered, there is no real music but only a devilish hubbub. He said, all music should have no other end and aim than the glory of God. That should be true for every area of our life, for every realm. That this is to be for God's glory, not for mine, but for His. Now, this morning, we're going to look at two very important realms that we are to glorify God in from 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. And we are, by the way, going to take some time over the next several weeks to look at some of the other realms that we are to glorify God in and how we can do that. But this morning, we're going to just focus on the two mentioned in First Corinthians 6 and verse number 20, where he says, For you're bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. So let's focus on first, in your body. We are to glorify God in our body. Now, how can we glorify God with our bodies and in our bodies? Now, let me uh, start by sharing a story of a young man who proposed to a young woman for marriage. He got this beautiful diamond ring with a nice little ring box, and he um, rehearsed what he was going to say, and finally he mustered up the courage to ask her, and and so he opened up that beautiful box, and inside that box was a gorgeous diamond ring. Well, the day after their engagement, the young woman said to her new fiancé, how can I ever thank you enough for the beautiful blue velvet box that you gave me yesterday? I love it, and I will always cherish that beautiful box. Now, how do you think that young man felt? Like the box probably cost $5. The diamond ring cost more than $5. Now, pretty crazy story, right? Except it describes sometimes the care and attention that we give in this life to our body, and the physical well-being that we all have, which is like that blue velvet box. We spend about 99% of our resources and time on something that will eventually turn to dust, and we neglect the gift of what's inside, which is the Lord who dwells within us. Listen, it's not the box. It's the precious diamond in the box that makes it so valuable. And what makes us so valuable is not the body, it's who dwells within us. In 1 Corinthians 6 and verse number 19, here it says, Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? So it's not our bodies that uh, need so much attention and, and so much nurturing. We need to focus more on who dwells within this body. See, God has chosen to live within these bodies for a very special reason. See, these bodies are made to ultimately bring glory to God. And he's there to help us do that. Now, how can we bring glory to God in our bodies? Well, the context of this particular verse and this particular passage of Scripture, it has to do with sexual purity. If you go here to... Verse number, um, verse number fifteen. He says, "Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an, of an harlot? God forbid." What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. And then he gets right down to what he's trying to say. He's like, in case you're wondering, what I'm hinting at here. Verse number 18, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. And he encourages us to flee fornication. As I thought about that, I was thinking about two Old Testament examples of someone who did flee fornication and someone who did not flee fornication. Uh, We have, of course, Joseph in the book of Genesis, one who fled from fornication, one who fled from temptation and decided that he was going to use his body to glorify God. And then we have the man after God's own heart, David, who chose instead to use his body to sin and did not bring glory to God with his body in that instance. See, Joseph, went, how did he respond when he was tempted to sin with his body? Well, Genesis thirty nine nine says, How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He said, I don't want to use my body to defile myself and to ultimately sin against the Lord. I want to instead use my body to glorify God. So when the Bible says flee fornication, when Joseph was tempted, what did he end up doing? He ended up fleeing fornication. He literally ran away. When Potiphar's wife caught him by the coat, he ended up leaving his coat and got him out of there and took off and fled fornication. He may have left his coat, but of course he kept his character and in the process brought glory to God. We live in a very immoral society, as we all know. We have these devices that when Steve Jobs announced the iPhone in 2007, I remember the keynote address that he gave. He said, we'll finally have the internet in our pocket. And I'm telling you, that is a wonderful convenience. But it is also a tremendous portal into horrible things that no Christian should ever see. And he says here, you're bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. It does have to do with sexual purity. So how is your sexual purity? Pornography is a very rampant problem within churches. I wish that was not the case. I said churches. I didn't just say out there, I'm talking about in churches. Many statistics that I have found say that over two-thirds of all Christian men regularly look at pornography. The problem is we're to glorify God in our body, but we're not doing that. We're using our body for ourself, for our pleasure, for our desires, to fulfill our wants, And our lusts, instead of saying, you know what, I'm going to glorify God in my body. 66%. And I pray to the Lord that that is is not the case here at Cornerstone Baptist Church. I pray that it's a 0%. But I'm also not naive to think that it's a 0%. I suspect that there's one or more who do struggle with this. I'm not trying to beat you up this morning, but I'm trying to encourage you to change your thinking and saying, I don't want to be caught up in this addiction. I want to instead glorify God in my body, which includes my eyesight, by the way. And to flee fornication. Not to play with it, not to entertain it, but to run away from it. Well, a lot of people think, well, hey, it's my body, it's my choice. Not exactly true if you're a Christian. Notice in verse number 19, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own. In verse 20, you're bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Body doesn't belong to you anymore. So really, in truth, your eyes belong to Him. Your ears belong to Him. You say, I'm going to listen to whatever I want to listen to. I'm sorry. The problem is, your ears, they don't belong to you anymore. They belong to Him. Well, my hands, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Wait a minute, your hands don't belong to you anymore. They belong to Him. Your feet, I'm going to go wherever I want to go. I'm going to... Go to church or I'm not going to go to church. It's up to me. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Look, your feet don't belong to you anymore. They belong to him. Your mouth. Well, that belongs to me. I can put whatever I want to put in. Okay, well, the Bible does have some things to say about gluttony. Now, notice I didn't preach this around the holiday time. But now that we're a little past that, now I can bring that up. But if you have a problem with gluttony, you're not glorifying God in your body. Well, what comes out of my mouth, that needs also to be glorifying to God, doesn't it? You see, the speech, the words, the the tone, it all needs to be glorifying to God. Because my mouth doesn't belong to Eric anymore, it belongs to the Lord. And your mouth doesn't belong to you, it belongs to the Lord if you've been saved. They're all His. All the members of my body, they're all His. We're to glorify Him in every aspect of our body. Why? Because it has been purchased with a great price. We're also to... This is the temple of God, and we're going to get maybe more into this later on in one of a future, in a future message, but being that this is the temple of the Holy Spirit, we need to be careful that we're not going to defile the temple of the Holy Spirit with things like drugs and alcohol, and tobacco. We're, we're, when, when we do that, we're, we're defiling and limiting the temple of God. We need to be careful that we're not allowing those things. And I want to I be kind about this one, but when it comes to marking up your body, I realize there's several in here today who may have a tattoo. And I don't want to beat you up for it, but this is the temple of the Lord. I wouldn't want somebody coming up and just marking up this building with a bunch of spray paint and whatever. This is, this is the house of God. This is, but, but all of us are the temple of God. And, and God's Word does have some things to say about all of these, all of these things. I'm not just making them up. I'm not just trying to be legalistic. I'm not just trying to make a bunch of rules that no one can, no, no. I'm trying to point people back to the scriptures and what God's design is so that we would ultimately bring him glory in our body. There are dispensaries on, there are more dispensaries in more Oklahoma than there are churches. And there are a lot of churches in more Oklahoma. But there's so many dispensaries around, it's unbelievable everywhere you look. And if we're not careful, we'll be thinking, well, maybe there's something to that. I mean, it's going to be legal eventually, so it may be okay for me medicinally. We, we need to be careful not to defile the temple of the Holy Spirit and instead desire that we're going to glorify God in our body. See, your body belongs to God, but that's not all, because, see, your body is also indwelt by the Spirit of God two big important truths. Our body belongs to God because it was purchased, but it also is indwelt by the Spirit of God. So we are to glorify God in our body. And let me, let me wrap it up with this last one here. The other realm I want to mention is the one mentioned in verse 20, to glorify God in your body and in your spirit. There's a lot of people I... I'm sure who would say, "Oh yeah, well I don't have any tattoos. I've never taken a sip of alcohol. I'm I'm good, you know, and I'm not, you know, promiscuous and and I'm faithful to my spouse and I'm I keep my eyes pure and all that." Okay, well can I ask you how is your spirit? How is your attitude? Is that to God's glory? Is God pleased with your spirit? Because many who are good in the body departments they somehow some sometimes can develop a proud arrogant spirit a haughty spirit critical spirit a rebellious spirit how how is your spirit look we're to glorify god in our spirit i was thinking about this the this idea of spirit and 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 i i got to thinking about daniel in the book of daniel <laughs> And it's mentioned of him, and, and, and God mightily blessed his life, and he got to see uh, visions and, uh, of what was to come in the future, and he was promoted, and one of the things that is mentioned about him, wh- why God allowed him to have such a ministry like that is, I, I, I think one of the reasons, perhaps, is because he had an excellent spirit. In fact, three different times in the book of Daniel, it is mentioned that he had an excellent spirit. In his spirit, he glorified God. He had a good attitude. He wasn't haughty. He wasn't proud. He wasn't arrogant. He wasn't rebellious. He wasn't critical. He didn't have a hard heart. He had a soft heart and a good attitude. How is your attitude? Does it glorify God? And that is an area and a realm that we need to glorify God in. And it because he says here, you're bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Are you doing that? Matthew Henry and his commentary. I'll just have a few more things to say. and We'll wrap it up this morning. But Matthew Henry said about glorifying the Lord in both our body and spirit. Here's what he had to say about the two together. He said, he made both. He bought both. And therefore both belong to him and should be used and employed for him. And therefore should not be defiled, alienated from him, and prostituted by us. No, they must be kept as vessels fitted for our master's use. We must look upon our whole selves as holy to the Lord and must use our bodies as property which belongs to him and is sacred to his use and service. We are to honor Him with our bodies and spirits, which are His, and therefore surely must abstain from fornication, and not only from the outward act, but from the adultery of the heart, as our Lord calls it. Body and spirit are to be kept clean, that God may be honored by both. But God is dishonored when either is defiled by so beastly a sin. Therefore flee fornication, nay, and every sin. Use your bodies for the glory and service of their Lord and Maker. We are not the proprietors of ourselves, nor have power over ourselves, and therefore should not use ourselves according to our pleasure, but according to His will and for His glory, whose we are and whose we should serve. Uh, Pretty well said. Pretty well put. He said, you could have just read that at the beginning of the message, and we could have gone home earlier. I wanted you to hear from my heart what God has been working in me about and what I wanted, what I believe God has for all of us as a church. So brother and sister, will you join me this year in endeavoring to glorify God in every area of your life? It's going to be difficult because we're going to look at some areas that, Hey man, that's an area that I kind of just keep to myself and I don't share that with anybody. And you know, I don't, I kind of want to do my own thing there and you just leave me alone on that one. No, every area, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Every area. I'm asking you to do a full inventory of your entire life this year. Every area, every nook and cranny and saying, is this to the glory of God? Is God pleased with this? Does this, if people knew this about me, would that make me make them think rightly about God? Would that cause them to glorify God or would that cause them to stumble? I'm going to ask you to go on a very intrusive journey. I'm not going to get intrusive, but I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will be intrusive in your life. And he'll start pointing things out, some closets that have been locked for years. And for you to give the Lord the key to those locks and say, Lord, you have access to all of it. My entire life is yours. You're worthy of glory in every area of my life. You paid such a great price. I'm not going to withhold anything from you. He didn't withhold anything from you when he laid down his life on the cross for you. So why are you going to withhold some things in your life and say, well, this is off limits? Nope. I'm not going to let some preacher talk to me, talk me out of this because this is what take down the walls and let God have full access to every area of your life and say, God, I want to be, I want to glorify you in every single area, particularly in with my body and with my spirit, as we've talked about today. And if you're here today and you've never come to Christ and never been born again, you're not going to be able to really Give glory to God and glorify God unless you get saved, unless you become part of His family. Today's the day to take care of that. First Sunday of 2024, great day to get saved. Let's pray together.